0: And I think, um, you know, I think we can kind of jump right in with it, Uh, and as far as talking about mental health and talking about this year you brought up this year, um, just as a general question, how has mental health really played a role in your life over the years, and how would you describe your state of mental health during the 20, during 2020? And right now, as I'm speaking to you, on Sunday, November 29th.
1: oh, Mental health. So, the first time that I really got into mental health, uh, I think I was maybe around 13 or 14. Uh, My mom, well, my parents and their United Front, um, decided to take me to a counselor um, after a situation happened in my family. And, kind of around the same time that I was pulled out of the closet, uh, (laughs) discovered, um, they thought it would be best for me to go talk to a church counselor, which I was very against. And I sat up there and didn't tell that man shit. And I was very guarded because I felt like, uh, I still was of the the thinking in the frame of what is telling you all of my business going to do? Like, how is that gonna help me? And it was very much teenage angst, uh, very much like my parents wanted me to do it because since they wanted me to do it, I automatically didn't wanna do it. So I was like, I'm gonna stonewall as long as I can to see how long they keep this up. And I think I maybe did maybe two sessions and it just was not a good experience at all <laughs> for me. And then I think over the years, um, I think, I think over the years I had been thinking of getting back into therapy because I was just feeling so many emotions and so much stuff. And I think every time I would like build myself up to get back into uh, taking care of my my mental health, then it would just be like, no, I I can't do it. Um, But I think this time, um, oh, no, I'm skipping, I'm skipping. Uh, I remember 19, 19 it was suggested by uh, a doctor at the time that I go see a a mental health therapist and again I was very against that but then fast forward to uh, 29 30 30 years old um, I was talking to a really good friend of mine we've been like best friends since sixth grade and she's in therapy and I was like talking to her because I'm like I'm having all of these emotions all of these thoughts um, all of these feelings and I don't feel the best. I don't feel really good. I feel very alone. I'm, I feel abandoned. And I just need somebody to kind of tell me like, I'm okay. And I'm not like, I don't want to use the word crazy, but I just, I just want to make sure that I'm okay. Because right now I don't feel okay. And I don't know when this will end. And I don't know like how to get myself out of it. You know, I think that was kind of my thing. Usually I'm able to smile and I can work myself out of it, or I can like talk myself out of things. And and I just, I couldn't. And I felt like myself going kind of into my go-tos, my go-to coping mechanisms. Uh, and I was like, I just don't want to, I don't want to do this. Uh, so now I've been back in therapy for uh, three long, hard years <laughs> of messy, messy, but incredible, self-work and evaluation and uh, I've really, honestly, I think for the first time really focusing and taking care of my mental health mm-hmm. um, and going there. And today, today, how is my mental health? I am nervous, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm a little fearful of being the guest of talking about my mental health for the first time. Um, but I am very much in, in I'm I'm very much in good spirits and 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 really just being aware of uh, being present and acknowledging how I feel, which is a little bit of homesickness. It's the holidays, um, which is just a little bit of being tired because um, your boy's been out here working um, and telling myself to rest, forcing myself to rest. Um, but overall, I'm today, I'm I'm good. I'm good today. So yeah.
0: Yeah, and thank you for sharing all that. I think one of the things that came from me when you were saying that is that, you know, people can lead you to like, okay, let's bring you to a church counselor, let's bring you to a therapist. But if you're not ready to make that leap yourself, it's like you, you can't do it. So, you know, obviously, you had to go along that journey. And then when you were ready and said, Okay, I can't keep up this front anymore um that's when it came about if you don't mind me asking or if you don't mind sharing you could completely say no what were some of the coping mechanisms that you talked about earlier before you found therapy or before you really delved into therapy i think a lot of us can talk Mm -hmm. about some of the general stuff but i want to hear from you because you you mentioned it if you feel comfortable sharing with us
1: yeah i mean my my top three are sex drugs and uh i would say shopping like um in examining, in, in examining myself in therapy, it's just been very, very mind-blowing. When I, when I, when I had to kind of identify, what do you do? Like I say, to work myself out of it, what do you do to make yourself feel better? And it was posed to me as as kind of, of that. When you feel this way, what do you do? And I'm kind of like, well, I just go fuck. And I'm like, that's kind of like, a coping mechanism for me where I would identify, I feel validation, I feel worthy. I, I kind of get a little bit of like a beat on my chest a little bit. I feel self-assured after that, which is, is working through those things. When it comes to drugs, I, I, re, I examined my relationship with alcohol um, a lot, um, a, a lot, because I think it kind of started, especially with me drinking, it started at a very young age to numb and self-medicate, um, and I just liked the way that I felt. I, I felt, uh, for me, I felt free. I felt like, okay, this is this is a, I don't have to think about anything. All of these things are gone. All of like, I can just party and I'm fun, Michael, and everybody likes fun, Michael, and I'm, you know, the, the center of attention, and I don't have to think about my problems. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, and it just it it just became very like serious. There were a couple things in my life that were like, "Oh, baby, thank you, Jesus." Oh my God. Um, but examining that and then shopping, I think I picked that up a lot from from my mother. Uh, just you don't feel good, you go shop, and so then it would be ending up with fifty five records at my door, Amazon packages that just show up, or um, all of these kind of things that um like those would probably be my top three i would say of the things that aren't necessarily as good for me but then the flip side as well is that i use a lot of it is working out i now put a lot of it into the gym of coping through that at the time which was kind of an escape and and getting away from it um escaping into art has always been a coping mechanism for me um if that's acting, if that's uh, writing, if it's any of those things, that's also, I think that was kind of the biggest form of therapy for me at the time, um, probably those two. And then, yeah, I think those would probably be like some of the good and some of the bad to, to, to give a little bit of balance of it yeah.
0: all. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a journey of kind of finding out <laughs> which ones can be can help you kind of distract your mind and then maybe potentially self-destructive, whereas others can help you distract and then may kind of build you up. And that's kind of always a journey. And I think it's important to recognize that it is always the journey. So someone doesn't just kind of fall completely away from some of the other things, Um, the coping mechanisms that go to that were ingrained. uh, But I think it's important to notice that shopping, things like working, sex, um, drugs, all those things are addiction we kind of go to for coping. I want to transition to. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of the stuff that you do, and you know, obviously, you're a writer, performer, and actor. You know, during this COVID-19 pandemic, um, you created the Black Gay Stuck at Home series. Um, I know you've you've plugged it on CMP and on Revolutionary Health before, and people have seen it. Tell people about it, and why was it so important for you to create that space?
1: Yeah, Uh, Black Gay Stuck at Home is a project created by uh, myself and Josh Jinks, who is an incredible partner. Um, And pretty much kind of like the origin of it is Josh and I are internet friends. We've never met ever in real life. Um, But Patrick Ian Polk had uh, made a post about punks. I think he reposted something about punks on his page. And one of my friends reposted it and was like, oh my God, we should get together and do like a virtual Uh, we should get together and do a movie night but i was like oh covid like maybe we can do this virtually so uh josh reached out to me and we were like okay well let's actually like do this and and put it on and so we were like okay let's you know do this film let's just do it and like it just blew our minds that people actually came and sat on a zoom call with us and like laughed about it and gave us memories. And it was a lot of people's first time actually seeing the movie. And um, we were like, okay. And and Patrick Ian Polk came and sat with us for like <laughs> almost an hour. And we were just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> That's amazing. What, like is this shit real? Right. Um, and so I think, especially after that first screening, uh, I called Josh and I was crying. I spent a lot of tears in 2020. I'm not ashamed to say I've been crying as much as I can. Um, but we were like, okay, this, is, this might actually be like a thing. We wanna screen movies that center black queer folks and lift up our ancestors and also like bring in new filmmakers and new web series and new TV creators and kind of give them a place and in an in a opportunity to get their work displayed for free. Um, because we 're all stuck at home mm-hmm. and looking for a community space or looking for something you know to to feel normal or what we 're used to, but also getting to celebrate just like all the all the movies and all the films and things like that that I grew up grew up with and grew around and may have not seen um, honestly that 's really just what it was it just it I didn't predict that this shit would do what it did I didn't I never in my wildest dreams thought like we started I think in April and I never thought that you know December 18th will be our last one and I didn't I never I never could have could have uh predicted this but I think it's something that we we both we love to do and it's organic and it's our heart and I think a lot of times the the messages and the things that we get from black black queer men or even just because it's not all you know black gay space but it's an affirming space um, for for all sexualities and genders but just being able to celebrate and dance and laugh and share memories and give people a reason to be excited on a Friday night um, every two weeks has just been has been life-changing and I didn't know I needed this just as much as the people that come needed. Like I needed a place to to land all of this, all of these memories and emotions of what it was like sneaking and hiding to see uh, uh, Noah's Ark or uh, punks and jumping the broom and all of these things, so yeah.
0: These are yeah, going was to be
1: a, very long-winded answers today, so I just no, I,
0: be I, I completely <laughs> appreciate it. And see, I'm a, I'm a qualitative researcher, so, like, I will sit there, and I will enjoy, like, listening to you talk, and I'm, this, this episode is about you, so I want to make sure we focus on that. I'm not trying to interject my own stuff, but it, I was about to say, it sounds like it was really, you know, transformative for you, and I'm sure you've heard amazing feedback from other Black queer folk that have engaged in the Black Gay Stuck at Home series. But I think it's important to note that when we create these kind of in innovations, interventions, these spaces, they're as much for our own healing as they are for our communities, the communities that we serve and we're trying to get out there. So um, they used to call it with uh, research, they called it me searched because you would, you would do research on the stuff that was impacting you and important to your life. But I think it, it also can play into kind of how we all heal with some of the things that we deal with. Um, you know, obviously today is November 29th. We're in the middle of the holidays. Thanksgiving just passed. Uh, you've got Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa coming up um, later on this month. And, you know, the holidays mean different things for different people. What have the holidays meant for you in the past? How have you celebrated them in the past? Um, kind of were they important you know what were kind of the traditions that you had and then how has COVID-19 how is this year different and how has that impacted you
1: oh my god lord jesus
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm trying to channel my best Darian Aaron on this but I know I'm probably failing but I'm trying I'm trying to I'm I'm trying trying to get I'm trying to get a good journalistic It's a Christians conversation.
1: It's right. a conversation. Right. You're you're doing absolutely amazing. Um, the holidays, uh the holidays for me have kind of been uh they, they were always interesting. So moving to Jacksonville and being a military family, we had no family in Jacksonville. So all of majority of my family growing up uh was in Houston, Texas. So Holidays for us normally look like us packing up a car and mm. getting in a car and driving from Jacksonville, Florida, stopping probably in Mississippi, Biloxi, probably for the casino. I was, I make this joke all the time to my parents and they don't like it, but I felt like I was raised in the casinos a lot of times.
0: You know uh, what's crazy we, that you're saying that? <laughs> is that I'm in Biloxi right now at a casino. Go ahead. I, I digress. <laughs> Go ahead. It's
1: meant to be, my right. God. <laughs> oh yes, I I know that whole strip, like the back of my hand. Uh oh yes. So then uh, we would get to Texas, and I would have this overwhelming sense of like being with my family, of being with, like all of these people that, you know, I love and get to share with, and uh, it was a lot of good food. My Jesus. Um, but being from being from Houston and and now from a Floridian, most of the time we would do like. Gumbos and uh, seafood, and it was it was non traditional like uh, holiday food for Thanksgiving, maybe and, and Christmas, but we'd still do some of the traditions. But one of the things that I always love about my mother is that my mother was very much, um, very I, very much. It was very important to her to have um, all black decorations and figurines. To kind of give us a different view of what necessarily Christmas meant, and maybe incorporating, I think, a little bit of like Kwanzaa things that um, she may not have realized at the time, but it was very much Black and it was a good time with my family. And it's changed from that over the years, just as my family has moved and we've gotten older and we've separated. It's become more about the kids. I think I, I absolutely love being an uncle I love my kids my babies as I call them and just to see them light up um, on Christmas and the holidays and getting to travel and seeing them makes me smile um and I just I just love being around the youthful energy and remembering how that was waking up on Christmas and they remind me to not uh to not lose that as an adult but I'm so homesick like I am incredibly homesick I think um I think my parents have gotten used to me working a lot. And so they got together um, in Houston for Thanksgiving. My parents have actually moved to Mississippi. This year has just been a lot. (laughs) So my parents have moved to Mississippi, but they were in Houston uh, for Thanksgiving. Uh, My sister was in Orlando and my other sister was in Jacksonville. I was in Atlanta. And so, and and my brother is in Houston um, as well. So I think it just, it has just changed for me and I'm so, I'm homesick, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm, I'm all of those emotions because I wanna be able to see my family. I don't wanna have to see them over Zoom. I wanna be able to, to hug my grandma and uh, just snuggle up under my pawpaw and just be a fucking kid and, and get that energy. And I'm here, um, I'm here. And it's incredibly it's just incredibly fucking frustrating I think that's the the big things but I but I think you know I at least I try to tell myself that I am keeping them safe as well as keeping myself safe and that's a little bit of comfort I can't even lie it's not really much but but knowing that they're safe and well and my babies are okay um but I would love to, I would just love to hold them right now, so yeah.
0: Yeah, I think a a lot of us are going through that, and so your words kind of really hit home. For me, I'm sure for a lot of people that will read Darian's article or uh, see this video, um, it's just kind of changed everything. I can't visit, you know, my mother and my sister and my niece and nephew in California. We both, we all mutually decided that it just wasn't Good. And, you know, as a public health official and a physician, you know, I can't hit, sit here and talk out the side of my neck and say, hey, everybody, stay home. And, you know, you can't just get a test uh, because you don't know what's going to happen on a plane or when you commute. But, you know, I want to be able to live this. But, you know, it, it's it, it's hard because it's kind of disrupted all these family traditions um, that we're used yeah. to. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with me because it's really, really heavy. So in in these moments, like particularly now, 2020 COVID what a friend of mine calls an acute on chronic exacerbation of racism. Um, This has been like a really fucked up year for a lot of people. How do you find, or where do you find your joy in these moments and particularly in the holidays right now, especially with some of the stuff that's kind of weighing on you right now, where do you find your joy? How do you get your joy? Yeah, that is one you're going to have to think about sometimes, right? <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm trying to give myself
1: time to, because to <laughs> I could be like, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Honestly, I think a lot of my joy right now is still in being able to talk to them. Um, I think that's still just being able to still hear my mama, Jesus, no matter no matter what it is, we have our Sunday calls now. Um, I'm committed to building a better relationship with them, um, but it brings me joy in in hearing my parents' voice and know know how far we've come. Um, and honestly, I think um, like a second home has been a lot of joy because it gives me something to look forward to, and I'm I now have a community of folks. Uh, that I look forward to and that gives me joy of being able to give other people joy and being of service. I think um, I think that that's been uh, a lot of it. Honestly, the fact that Counter Narrative Project still uh, has me doing revolutionary health brings me joy. I'm of service as well in that capacity. Um, and realizing that even of myself is that I like just being of service and that does bring me joy to see other people happy and bringing smiles to their faces. Um, I've been watching a lot of bad shit. Um, I don't want to call anybody's name in particular, but things that bring me joy of just like getting me out of my head um, mm. of, of some of the uh, creators we have here. Um, I'm just watching it and being like, this is so ridiculous, but I have to laugh at it. It's funny. And, uh, and I've just been doing a lot of like online online rabbit holes, like Alvin Ailey rabbit holes. I've mm. just been watching ballets, um, plays. The fact that I still get to perform as an actor, mm-hmm. that also gives me joy. I've still been able to act um, from the house all virtually. You're a thespian, you're a
0: thespian.
1: i am acting a little bit y'all, <laughs> just a little <laughs> something. But still, that still, give, that gives me so much joy to still be able to practice my art and leaning into music. I mean, this has become like such a big part of, of how people identify me as and music and and knowing that I can put on Cameo Candy or Lakeside, Confunction, uh, Prince uh, and all of this. And it's just like, I just, I have to get up and I have to move. And um, so those are, I think those are some of the things that bring me joy. Uh, just trying to, trying to be present and, and, honoring, and honoring the joy of it all. I think it's good.
0: Yeah, that's, I think it's good advice and it's a beautiful thing. I think all of us know about going down the YouTube rabbit holes. One of my rabbit holes oh, that Jesus. I've been going down on YouTube, when I was in high school, there was a group called Rush. It was a rock band with three guys and they produced this sound that was just like phenomenal. And I found one of my favorite songs is called "Spirit of the Radio," and I found reaction videos from Black people listening to "Spirit of the Radio," which is a song probably from the late '70s or early '80s. And is it that just them two th- young boys? Um, they I watch them all the time. The two <laughs> brothers, yeah, I watch them all the time. But the reaction and just bring pe- and seeing people react to music that you have loved for decades and seeing a new generation being introduced to them, which is the whole premise of those those two brothers that are doing that, just brings me a lot of joy to see that. So I, I definitely understand what you're saying through that um, and sharing that with with myself and the people that are gonna be watching and reading about your story. So, you know, we'll wrap up, um, you know, I know usually with Alvin, he's kind of, when Revolutionary Health goes, he's getting us out at like 20 he's minutes. not here, as long as we <laughs> need to, as long as,
1: Listen, as long as we need to go, I am
0: here. <laughs> so I, I, I just have one more question, actually. And it's kind of like a, a general question that kind of ties together a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. You know, it's, it's been a fucked up year. COVID-19 has been happening. Um, I think it's really it's been really hard for a lot of us who are on the black queer continuum and on top of the other shit that we're putting up with and dealing with now there's this extra stuff that's put on top of this. So I know there's a lot of people out there in our Black queer communities that are going through an awful lot right now. Um, What you mentioned going to therapy, you mentioned some coping mechanisms earlier. What would you recommend? What would you, what's a positive message you can give people who are struggling right now? Um, And, you know, we talked about holidays. A lot Mm. of people, you know, don't, celebrate holidays with their families or have been kicked out of their homes or holidays tend to be traumatic uh, because of experiences that they've had in past occasions. So what would your advice be to them or what encouragement or affirmation would you give, you know, our black queer, you know, folk who are struggling at home and say, hey, you know, this is what you can do. And they don't know where to start. They're like, I don't know resources. I don't know what to do. What would be the message that Michael J. Ward would give those folks out there? Who is Jesus? Um, take a take a sip of a drink if you got one. Come <laughs> on, coping. I'm just, this is water. People. <laughs> it's water. That's a healthy coping mechanism. Uh,
1: we'll start drinking later. Um, I, I think I struggle with this because I will give context and then maybe I can kind of answer the question. I think I struggle with this um question because. I feel, and this is in my mind, this is my ego, this is me, I feel in my mind that I put out an image that I'm always happy, I'm always smiling, that, uh, you know, when you see me sitting in front of the bookshelf, that I'm in good spirits all the time, that I'm just, I'm here, and a lot of times I have to work myself up um, work myself up to it, um, a little bit of, of the time, not always, um, but it's coming in and out. Um, so a lot of times, and I, and I briefly touched on this, I think a little while ago on my Instagram with my mental health transparency moment is that I've had to first honor how I feel. Um, you can't hide from it. You have to honor it. And, Owning it and, and giving it a name to me, whether that's I don't feel good today, I don't feel good about myself today, I don't feel like getting up today, um, I'm just very unhappy. I think I, I, I honor my feelings first and knowing that. So I would I would ask that people do that first because that's gonna kind of be the first step. And then finding ways to ask for help um, because even, even me getting back into therapy, like I say, my, my good friend, uh, Melanie, I had to ask her for help because I'm saying like, I, I don't know, and it's okay. And I think so much as black, black queer men, and I wanna use I statements, but I had such a big issue with vulnerability of asking for help, of telling people that I'm not okay. I'm not feeling good today because I felt like people would be dismissive or they don't know what to do with it. But get it out because the longer that you fester and you hold on to it and all of this stuff stays on you and stays in your brain, it's it's not helping. It's, it's really not helping you. So find a place for it to land. Right. and i'll say this too therapy is not for everybody so sometimes your therapy can look like going to take a walk sometimes it can look like i also have a journal i journal a lot i, I want to get these things out of my head or luckily i have the cmp tribe where i can text and i can call and i'm like hey not feeling the best today or people check on me and and i've learned to be to honor my feelings and say i'm not okay today um And so I think finding a place for it to land is always good, but knowing that you are worthy, um, knowing that you are loved, um, knowing that you deserve to be here and that you are here for a reason, it all sounds very kooky and cliche and very textbook. Like I know I'm all of these things, but honestly, truly take a moment and sit with yourself and think about those things and really, really know truly that you are loved and you're valuable and you're cared for regardless of the things that have happened to you um in the past um today is a new day and I try to remember to be present in it is what I would recommend people and know that it's a fucking journey I put so much goddamn pressure on myself to have my life together at 30 and I have this life that I thought that it was going to be and realizing that that caused so much anxiety and pain and fear and self worry and doubt and all of those things. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to have it all together. Every day you're taking a step towards your journey and and honor yourself in that and know that you're working to be better. So like I say, there are moments when I just get under the covers and I don't fucking move and I cry and I have to work myself out of that. And I remember that I'm loved. I love myself first and I honor that, that's very big. Um, But I know that there's something here and there are people here that that need me and want to see me win. Um. Uh, I, I I still, I just still feel like it's tough. I feel, I still feel like it's tough because I have a support system. I have a network and I'm privileged to be in therapy. But for those people that don't, I don't know. I, I just hope that that, that helps I, I hope that helps somebody. no i think
0: I yeah i think that's a good word michael I, I really really do and i think you know part of it is is kind of acknowledging it like you're saying letting letting all of us know that it's okay because it's a struggle um and that all of us go through this stuff uh i think is the first step and then you can figure out what the positive things and you're right therapy isn't for everybody um but other things can be so whether it's taking a walk going to the gym drinking water, Zooming with family or friends, whatever is going to work for you, don't let anybody shame you or tell you that that doesn't work or that you have to go to therapy if you're feeling down or that you should just get over it. I'm a big proponent, like you said, if I feel like shit, I'm gonna sit in it. Um, I understand why people go to work and code it over and stay busy so they don't have to deal with stuff. For me, I have to sit in it. It's just a matter of not letting sitting in it paralyze you. You have to keep moving at some point um, and that's one of the things that I think you're speaking about and the struggle. And I think part of the whole thing Hello. with COVID-19 and why it's so hard is that I'm asking you to give advice and you're like, sweetie, I'm going through my own shit right now. Like, what advice am yeah. I going to give? But that doesn't demerit what you're saying, because actually it gives it gives it more credence to me. Because if you're going through this right now, you understand what I'm going through. You understand what a lot of other young and old and all along the age continuum black queer folks are going through right now and hearing your story, whether you want to uh, acknowledge it or not will help a lot of people just hearing what you're saying right now and reading what Darian is gonna write. So I'm um, I'm very thankful to you for doing that um, and for being so vulnerable because I know it's not easy but just so you know, this show is about you and we're talking about mental health through your lens but I wanna thank you for being so honest because I know you say, oh, I'm just me, but you are tremendously inspiring to me. So I wanna thank you because I'm going through my own shit this year. And so hearing what you're saying helps me process it as well. So I just wanna thank you for sharing this space um, today and allowing yourself to be vulnerable about this. I really, really appreciate it more than you know. Um, Thank you.
1: And I wanna thank you too, because I I think you sharing your journey of what you're going through in real time and how you feel and that, you know, that to me is somebody like from the outside of looking in that it also gives me permission and not necessarily permission because asking for permission, whatever. (laughs) But it also lets me know that somebody else as well is working through what they're working through. And you too, I think by sharing your story and and what's happened and kind of letting us in as much as you and your family do allow us that that really has been like for me I I haven't really seen a black man and regardless of how they identify of being able to be that vulnerable and share that openly and publicly and and it's freeing I think it's it's a, a freeing for me to be able to 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 watch your journey as you go through and to share that with you and to say that I'm not okay today, you
0: know? So yeah. And I'm 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 kind of where you are right now. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm good today. Like I'm not great. I'm not feeling down. I'm kind of like here. But um actually speaking to you has lifted my spirit. So I'm very, very excited. And I know <laughs> sure. I'll probably have a good cry after we sign off. So let's let's talk about World AIDS Day coming up on December 1st as it's celebrated every year. Um and with regards to mental health, what does what is, how, the, talk about the intersections for you personally with HIV, uh, your mental health and kind of that part of your journey, that aspect of your journey.
1: Oh, wow. Well. Oh, wow. Uh, so remember what I was saying my second time at 19 <laughs> was being right. uh, back in therapy. Um, I look back on it now and I think that this was so ahead of his time and I don't know like why I had never kind of like heard about like a lot of uh, stories, but I remember um, for me, uh, my doctor, um, at the time that came in and gave me my diagnosis and I was sitting there and I was just like, okay, okay, I got this. Okay, I'm falling apart. And, uh, and I think the awesome thing and I, and I wish I could go back and and hug him and thank him now. Um, But he referred me to go see a mental health uh, counselor, a therapist, because he was like, you're, in his eyes, I'm pretty sure, because he was older and here is this almost, (laughs) you know, like, almost man, I think I was at the time, I thought I had my shit together. Um, I thought I knew it all. I, I thought you know my shit didn't stink. I was still very much in that angsty teenage phase, nineteen. And he, I think, just my energy at the point, he was like, "You probably should go talk to somebody." And I think that uh, that was so. Even even just by him asking me that, kind of still stayed with me, and that always to me is something that I consider. Um, when uh, newly diagnosed people like see the show and and or they see me out here talking about it, and they come and they and they tell me their stories, is that do you have a place to land this, um, these things? And I think, I think one of the one of the things that HIV HIV highlighted for me was how self destructive I was and. To give context again, because it's going to be a very long answer, is that we, we talked about it on a show of I, you know, attempted suicide and was having these thoughts of suicide and, and, and didn't commit suicide. But I think along my path and my journey of growing up, I did so many more things that were self-destructive as a means of trying to take myself out without me realizing it. So I think that also played into a lot of the sex, a lot of the, the, the drinking, a lot of like just balls to the wall. And so now having this diagnosis and now falling back on all of the things that I had previously done that worked um, for me and, and, and feeling this incredible shame that I had failed my, my parents and and, my daddy wasn't gonna like love me. And, and all of these things that came with this diagnosis and, and hiding it and, and letting it fester and all of those things coming back up in so many just terrible ways. Um, that mental health as well has been, and, and therapy for me has been a place to build up my confidence to now, I think more so this year, uh, live my truth and realize that uh, I liberate myself. I don't need people to to liberate myself for me. I'm liberated by the fact that I now stand in uh, in my HIV diagnosis and that I'm loved, and I have people that love me, and I'm uh, and I'm and I'm actively working through those feelings. And, and I don't hold those as, as tight as I used to um, but I think even not not realizing how much my decisions were influenced and infected uh, infected affected by me being a person living with HIV and I feel liberated I feel free uh, and and I think I credit I credit my therapist with, with giving me a space to to say all of those things out loud that I couldn't really say. Um, and also now finding a tribe of people that understand what it means to live with HIV um, has also been a form of mental therap- mental health for me, also of of having that support system. Of being affirmed and 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 telling and telling my story. So, yeah, I, I oh, I never, I honestly never thought here today with y'all people that I would ever say it out loud. I never thought that I would have the courage and the vulnerability and the strength to to uh, to tell my story and and to say it. Um, and to work myself through that, those feelings of shame and, and worthlessness and, and all of those things. And, you know, my therapist told me a little while ago and she was like, you're not the same person that came, well, walked through my door and I was virtually, but she was like, you're not the same person that walked in my door three years ago. I definitely see the difference in you and I'm proud of you and I'm happy for you because for the first time you're happy by yourself with no, no additions you know that you're just yourself and you stand in that and you're happy in it and i don't think i was able to say that before um and that is definitely that has definitely helped me like a lot a lot a lot with my diagnosis and just my mental health
0: yeah yeah i think that's a, a beautiful testimony and it also speaks to the fact that You know, mental health isn't just something like we talk about HIV with mental health. It's not just, oh, once you get diagnosed with HIV, then you have to address your mental health. Mm -hmm. You were struggling with mental health stuff before. um, And HIV is the thing that kind of steps in and says, "Okay, time to wake up. Um, You can't ignore this anymore. And then for a lot of people, um, and I include myself in this boat, when it happens um, to you, it stops you. And then it makes you reprioritize what you've been doing. And I think there is a process that many of us go through before getting diagnosed with HIV where it's not suicide. And I think I've said this before when we've talked about mental health and Revolutionary Health, but it's not kind of someone takes pills and overdoses or slits their wrists or sticks a gun in their mouth. It's kind of small little things that you do over time to destroy yourself um, and it's you checking out and yeah. you're hoping that over time it will do that. Um, and you're lucky if over time yeah. it, it doesn't and you learn something from it uh, as you're moving along. And I think that's an important thing that I heard you know, with your story as well.
1: Yeah, I think I'm, in, and I think I'm fortunate. I think, because like I say, I, I think about all of those self-destructive things that I did um, and put myself in positions of harm intentionally and i'm still here and yeah it, i i say it all the time i never thought that i would live to be 18 years old and the fact that i am here at 34 after not being the best of myself and not treating myself well that i'm there has to be a reason for this there has to be and i i can't play small i can no longer hold my power back because i'm afraid and i think and I think uh, a lot of us do that for yeah.
0: yeah. Kudos to you for your journey. And again, I've told you this before, but I love you fiercely and I am very, very inspired by you. So thank you so much thank again. You. Um, I- yeah.